Welcome everybody to Detective Ridiculous. This time around, I am one of your hosts, Bricky. Joining me is my co-host, DK Demantis. And uh, he's going to be teaching us all about the horrible things that happen in real life. But before Yay. we get into that, uh, if you'd like to check out us on Patreon, and you can go ahead and join our Discord server via any of the tiers and also get wonderful things like posters, bloopers, and so on, go to that out in the description. We also have wonderful people in, uh, yeah, we should get some Detective Ridiculous merch. That'd be fun. Yeah, That'd be uh, very fun. Which, speaking of, our just, just a little guy... It's just a little guy. It's just a little guy. I don't know if it's still, it's if, if there's any left. Um, it might be sold out by the time this episode airs. I have no idea. We're recording this on Tuesday. This episode's probably coming out on like Friday or Saturday. So I don't yeah. know. Check it out. Check out the merch in the, in the description. Orchid8.com. Actually, the 10% off deal should be going on until the next regular episode. So you got like four or five more days. And uh, and hopefully that'll all work out. Book Club also yeah. is the first heretic. All right. That's all the, that's all the Warhammer stuff, though. DK... This yes, is this, this is your show. This is this is the detective ridiculous, and I I was talking with Shy earlier, and man, these things never end on a happy note. They're always very sad, very tragic, and very just all. Nothing good happened. Damn, they seemed like such nice people too. Are you are you trying to tell me the thing that involves the detectives, aka the police force, that need to figure out why a horrible thing happened don't end well? Well, you know, Shy was like, well, what if what if the, the culprit gets caught at the end and everybody gets closure and it's all good? Oh, you mean like that? Ends on a happy note, you know, this is the good stuff, but... But that would a be lot of interesting. Yeah, but uh, sadly, uh, we're dealing with another sad and tragic disappearance on Detective Ridiculous today. And uh, we're time warping all the way back to the 1970s uh, because we are going to be talking about the Yuba County Five. Yuba County Ooh. Five. How many was the la the solder? Oh, it's called the solder children. There was no number for it. Yeah, there were ten solder children, and five of them disappeared. All right. So this is the y Yuba. Yuba County Five. It's Yuba a county in California. Yuba these nuts and. My cock and balls. We need a new co-host, uh, Shy. Uh, oh, oh no! Now, oh viewers. now! Oh, don't, don't, um, don't you get on your high horse right now! Don't you dare! <laughs> Wait, is Yuba is Yuba near Yolo County? What is there? Just shut up, man! <laughs> there's 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 actually a city in California called, Yo a, a, called Yolo. Really? In California, there is a city called Yolo. Uh, I know the only weird city in California that I know, uh, its name is Yorba Linda. I, Yorba Linda is literally like 30 minutes from me. Yeah, it's, a, it's such a funny name, Yorba Linda. Yeah, it's, it actually has some enormous homes out there. It's quite, yeah. it's quite all right. Yeah, it's, there it's it is, Yolo, California. Uh, is it near Sacramento? Uh, let's find out. Um, yes, it is actually right uh, northeast or northwest of Sacramento. Oh, so we're in the ballpark of Yolo, actually. Oh, where's uh? Oh, yeah, there is Yuba City right there. It's straight up yeah. north. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, we're, we're in the ballpark. We're in the ballpark. Holy shit! I was right. Yeah, right near. We're, we're going. We're going pseudo Yolo today. All right. Let's talk about Baby Yuba. 
All right, Yuba County Five. So as you can probably guess, we're going to be talking about five specific men from Yuba City, California, as we already addressed. Uh, Their names were Jack Hewitt, who was 24 years old, Bill Sterling, 29 years old, Ted Weir, 32 years old, Jack Madruga, 30 years old, and Gary Mathias, 25. Wait, so they were all different names. This, This is not a family. No, no, no. This is not a family. This is a group of friends. This is a group of very close friends, is the Yuba County Five. Okay. Not a family at all. Uh, But before we talk about what happened to them and makes it so sad and depressing, uh, we'll talk a little bit about uh, uh, their background, what kind of people they were, and what sort of problems they had. Uh, But we're going to end up focusing a little more on Gary Mathias because there was just a little bit more known about him. So... Um, these five were a very close-knit group of friends, and all of them had their own, we'll say, their own set of intellectual challenges. Uh, if you look up a lot of the old articles on the Yuba, Yuba County Five, Yuba City Five, uh, they use some pretty outdated vernacular for it, so we're just gonna say, you know, uh, Jack Hewitt... Bill Sterling, Ted Weir, and Jack Madruga, they all had some degree of intellectual disability. And ah. their parents, yeah, their parents and their relatives described them as being slow learners, we'll say. That's sort of the nice way to put it. I um, I, I don't I don't want to so I, I don't know if the dreaded R word is is not the technical term for it still. Obviously we're not gonna say it. Um, but I don't know if it's the technical term or not, but if we are, are we classifying them as like, like a sl- like a slow learner could be like Lenny from Mice and Men or Forrest Gump. Oh, sure. Uh, but, like, but, but like all, cl- big R word classification is like much worse. Like yeah. can't operate as well. So like they were all fully functional and okay. they, 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 they could have probably been independent with a little bit of help. Uh, so they weren't like totally like, you know, uh, independent on someone else for everything. They were still functional on their own. Okay, okay. So they were just they were just a little slower people. All yeah. Right. They 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 did have actual intellectual disabilities, but they weren't like completely like uh uh sidelined by it. Gotcha. Uh, Gary Mathias, however, was an army veteran who had served in West Germany, and during his service, he would develop a drug problem that would later be the cause of a schizophrenia diagnosis that would lead to him being psychiatrically discharged from the army. Uh, After being discharged, Gary had... He had a pretty rough time when he came home. Uh, He was struggling with regularly taking his medication, and I'm not entirely sure he had the right medications. So when he didn't take his meds, or maybe because he didn't have the right meds, he would be prone to outbursts of violence. Uh, Mm. He was charged with assault at least twice due to these outbursts. And um, these unstable events and bouts of violence, naturally, uh, landed Gary in a VA hospital. And in this VA hospital, they decided to try a new treatment of Stelazine and Cogentin, um, which actually worked out pretty good. 
And uh, with Gary now religiously taking his medication, he would finally have some control over over his condition, and he'd be able to function without causing harm to himself or others. So much so that his physicians called him a sterling success case. Oh dear. Well, this is fine. He's he's good. He's taking his meds. He's good. Everything is under control. It's on the up and up for Gary. I I don't like the concept of uh, hey, here's all these new meds. I'm like, oh. Yeah, well, you know, uh, <laughs> Gary. <laughs> Gary would also find work in his stepfather's gardening business while also getting uh, disability pay from the military. But he would still attend something called the Gateway Projects, which was sort of this community center for the intellectually challenged. Uh, Because with uh, doctors and physicians having found what they thought was sort of like the right mix of medications, uh, they wanted to make sure that Gary stayed on the straight and narrow. Uh, that he avoided temptation and stuck to his treatment schedule. And in this projects, uh, he would be encouraged to try basketball. You know, try a try a sport, get out there, be athletic. Um, because he was already a fan of basketball. Uh, and then he would be introduced to Jack Hewitt, Bill Sterling, Ted Weir, and Jack Madruga, who were all playing for the community center's basketball team. Uh, all five of them became fast friends, and Gary would join them on the Community Center's basketball team, the Gateway Gators. Oh my So now goodness. all of them, they're the Gateway Gators, man. That's so, a, that's a oh. great team name. Come on. It's so, remind me of the time frame, the time period. These are the 1970s. Okay. In, in 1970s in Yuba D's and Nuts fucking above <laughs> Sacramento <laughs> County. All right. that That's that's fine. Were, were all these other friends also a little slow or... Or was he yes. okay? Is that how they met? Perchance was it like a yeah? So so all of them met in the Gateway Projects for which is like I said, right. it's a community center. Yes. So all of them did have sort of like a intellectual disability. Uh, were described as slow learners. Um, okay. A lot of people when they look up stuff for this, it's kind of hard to figure out exactly uh, what was wrong. Um, because nobody paints a picture. All the articles, uh, the old articles anyway, they just use the big R word that is not exactly PC anymore. So it's really kind of hard to pinpoint exactly uh, what disabilities they might have had. Gotcha. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah, yep. Um, these five friends would affectionately become known to their families and friends as the boys. The boys. Uh, yeah, they are the boys. The boys. Even though they're grown men, they're just, they're our boys. Those are the boys. They are our boys. They're our boys. The families were close. They were good friends with each other. They're the boys. They're our boys. Um, It should also be noted that even though all five of them were good friends, they did have their own sort of little, like, pocket groups. uh, People that they maybe hung out with a little more, even when they were in the group. Um, Like, Ted Weir looked after uh, Jack Hewitt in a very protective sort of brotherly manner uh bill sterling and jack madruga were also often much closer with each other than the rest of the group so they had these little offshoot groups that they were maybe just a little bit closer with uh some of them had also uh found jobs through the gateway projects uh bill sterling specifically was known to have worked as a janitor and as a clerk at a snack bar but his family 
actually kind of pushed him to quit that job uh, because they were worried that, quote, his slowness was causing him stress problems in the workplace, even though he seemed perfectly fine and to be enjoying the job. I may let the um, man sell his snacks. I know, and, and, and clean up after people and be a janitor. You know, he, he seemed to be fine. He didn't say it was bothering him, but they just, you know. In the 70s, that him. would get you a house and a wife. Yeah, you actually probably would. That's yeah, a, a janitor and a snack bar. Job. Yeah, yeah. You, you you buy plenty back then. Oh yeah, you make a fair. You you could easily get your own apartment. Back Times then. be a changing. Oh God, tell me about, especially in California. Ugh. But whenever the whenever the boys had some free time, it was more than likely they were doing something basketball related. They were playing basketball or watching basketball. And one day, the boys decided that they were going to make a trip up to Chico to watch their favorite basketball team, UC Davis, play against Chico State. So, on February 24th, 1978, the boys would take Jack Madrugas, who he was the only one other than Gary Mathias that had a driver's license, which you might want to remember... Um, mm. But they took Jack Madruga's 1969 Mercury Montego. It's a humdinger of a car. That is an oldie. It's it's a it's a classy old car. I feel like uh, should I just put a picture of it in the uh, in the distance? It's a it's a classy car back then. 1978. You could probably. So are you know, you referred to it as a humdinger. I sure did. That's a humdinger of a car. My humdinger friend. of a car. That's a humdinger. You know, come on. <laughs> but uh, all of them were dressed in fairly light clothing, despite the fact that this time of year, it's it's pretty cold in the Sacramento Valley. Like, it's, 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 it's chilly. Um, and they would make the 50-mile drive from Marysville, Yuba City, to Chico to see their favorite basketball team play. So again, pretty independent. Like they are taking this solo trip, all five of them, and they're they're going to Chico to see UC Davis play a basketball game. All right, all right. Mm -hmm. And it must have seemed like it was going to be the absolute best trip ever because UC Davis did end up winning the game, which I'm sure the boys must have been on cloud nine about. Uh, but before making their way back home, they decided to stop at a place called Bear's Market to pick up a few snacks for the trip back home. Uh, the clerk who was trying to close up shop because it was 10 p.m. Uh, was a little irritated because she was trying to close up. She was trying to go home and, oh, my God, these kids are buying all this stuff. Ugh, fine. Uh, and the boys bought one Hostess cherry pie, one Langendorf lemon pie, a Snickers bar, a marathon bar, two Pepsis, and a quart and a half of milk. Just a bunch of snacks for the drive home. Nothing serious. A quart and a half of milk. A quart and a half of milk. Why a half? Where'd they get a half a quart of milk? Maybe it was literally a quart and a half bottle. How? That's a very large bottle. Well, I mean, five, five, five adult boys. They they need their milk, I guess. They need their milk. You know, they got all those pies and candy bars. Like, you need a little. You, do, you need, yeah, you know, you eat too much chocolate. You just to wash it down. You know, yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, all right. You know, I am back on the milk train. Yeah, hell yeah. 
And that's the end of the story. They all lived happily ever after and nothing bad happens. Oh, excellent. I'm so glad we decided to pick up new stories for this series. Yeah, you know, it man. was going to get too Roll, sad. Roll the credits, Chad. They just saw their favorite basketball team win. They went home and everybody had a grand old time. Nothing. It's all uh, good. They're uh, all. They're, they were never seen again, were they? That's how I wish the story ended, with them just living happily ever after, and everybody was fine and dandy. But that is not what happened. Uh, the boys, boys never came home that night. Uh, an article from 1978 called Five Boys Who Never Came Back depicts Ted Weir's grandmother being startled awake and afraid at 5 a.m., feeling like... The house just doesn't feel right. Something is missing. Something is wrong. And she just knew that Ted wasn't home yet. Uh, she called the parents of the other boys, since, like I said, the parents and guardians uh, had all become somewhat close. And none of the boys came back that night. Now, you might be thinking, come on. It, it hasn't even been 24 hours since they left. They might have just stayed at a hotel or something. But you gotta understand that these boys led very scheduled, habitual lives at home. It would have been so out of character and nigh unfathomable that the boys would not have come back home after that basketball game. Another reason they would have wanted to be home was that all of them had a basketball game the next day. It was the first in a week-long tournament sponsored by the Special Olympics, and they were all so, so excited about it. They had their uniforms and their clothes laid out the next day. It was all prepared. Uh, Gary Mathias had been harping on his mother like all week, like, Mom, you got to make sure I don't oversleep. I got to be at this game. This is the game. This is a big deal. So... The boys had no intention of missing the basketball game that would have taken place on February 25th, so it is very doubtful that they would have just chucked up at a hotel or something. By 8 p.m. that night, the boys had still not come home and still not been heard from. Ted Weir's grandmother would call the police and start a proper investigation into the disappearance of the boys. The boys. The boys, yep. I like how they're just referred to as the boys. It's, it's, it's an easy way to refer to all of them as a collective group. And, you know, in hindsight, that's what they like being called. That's what everybody called them. So might as well stick to the trend, right? And uh, it wasn't until Tuesday that the police would find Jack Madruga's Mercury Montego. It was found on a bumpy gravel recreational road that was northeast of Oroville in Butte County. And it was kind of sort of stuck in 10 inches of snow. Um, it's not entirely sure if they actually got stuck in the snow or if they stopped at the snow line and uh, it was stuck in 10 inches because that was just sort of like where all the snow accumulated over the next couple of days. Um, but they were like pretty much the car was kind of stuck at the snow line. Uh, it was a ranger that had spotted the Montego. Uh, apparently he had seen it on the 25th, but he didn't think it was worth reporting because people came along that road to ski all the time. So he kind of just figured, oh, just, a you know, some tourists or a local group had come by to do some skiing. 
Uh, it wasn't until the ranger had heard about the missing persons report that he told authorities about the uh, Mercury Montego. And uh, after mm. they actually find the Montego, there is not a goddamn thing that makes sense about what they found. Oh, boy. There is nothing about this that makes any sense. It was staffed so, entirely by cats. Yeah. How did you know? Have you been reading up on this, man? Yeah, I spoiled, I spoiled myself. I'm sorry, dude. Wow, what a what what a what a guess. That's what wow. all the milk was for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all the milk and chocolate is for the because <laughs> stabbed by cats. Uh, so the boys were way off course. They are now some two and a half hours away from Chico. That's where the Montego was found. Uh, Oroville Butte County is two hours away from Chico. Now, the Montego was kind of chunked in like 10 inches of snow, like I said, but it wasn't really stuck. And there was no way that five adult males couldn't have pushed that car free of what it was stuck in. Uh, the police also hot-wired the car. It immediately started with no problems. And it had a quarter tank of gas, too. So their car had not broken down and stranded them in this spot. It was not car troubles. Um, obviously, the car was scattered with uh, empty candy wrappers and empty bottles from the snacks that they had bought earlier. Uh, I think... Uh, Stuff You Know podcast said that the marathon bar was still uneaten. Apparently, that's a big meme that you just you just can't finish a marathon bar because it's marathon. Um, and if you're thinking that they were scared and they were possibly chased into this area for some foul play, perhaps, um, the bottom of the Mercury Montego was undamaged and basically without a scratch. So, uh, if this, so if they sped up and they were hitting stuff, it would have been like bum, 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 on the bottom. Oh, yeah, because this was a gravel, rut-filled uh, recreation road. Mm. So if they had been, like, speeding along here, trying to, like, uh, outrun someone, the bottom of that car should have been all fucked up. It should have been all messed up. Uh, for it to have been in the condition that they found it, Police believe that the driver was either, uh, he must have really known the area well, or was driving very, very cautiously. So, chances are Jack was driving very, very cautiously. So, I, I doubt that they were chased up there. Could that be a, a, a thing to state? The fact that he was driving so cautiously? Could be. It's like, um, mm, weirdness. Yeah. Very, it, that is, it is very strange that they're driving caught. It's, it's strange that they're even here. Well, honestly. yeah, that, that is part of it. Yeah. Uh, Jack Madruga's family reported that uh, Jack would not have been familiar with this area and that he never, he never let anyone else drive his Montego. That was his pride and joy. Uh, I think it was either Ted Weir or Bill Sterling that when they were kids, they had actually come through this area once with their family on like a fishing trip or something, but they hated the cold weather and they hated the outdoorsy trip. And so the next time their families went up, they stayed at home and they refused to go. Um, and it was reported that most of the other boys 
kind of felt the same way about sort of wildlife, outdoorsy type stuff. So the chances that you could convince any of them for a spur of the moment trip in this area is super super unlikely so they they were they were home buddies they didn't like to go out and 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 do the do the exercise do the mm-hmm. okay well, do they, the outdoor, the outdoorsman stuff yeah yeah exactly they like i said they live very at home habitual lives with their families they were always going to live at home um the police had also found out that gary matthias uh, he actually had an old friend that lived in Forbestown, which is in the Butte County area near Oroville. And at least Gary's stepfather believes that if Gary was in the area that his friend lived in, he would have stopped in for a visit. The friend that lived there, though, claims that he didn't see Gary that night, and he actually hadn't seen or heard from Gary in, like, over a year? So the chances that Gary, just out of nowhere, somehow convinces Jack Madruga to head to Forbes Town, which is like, uh, it's kind of halfway between uh, Chico and Yuba City, uh, the chances that he could convince Jack to do that, very, very unlikely. Though, taking a wrong turn at Oroville and getting lost trying to get there would kind of explain their really wonky, weird trajectory. Mm, okay. It, it, just, it just wasn't like the boys to do something so spur of the moment. It's just, it's just not something they would do. Um, and again, they, they were so excited about that basketball game the next day, there's no way at 10 p.m. they're going to take an out-of-the-blue several-hours trip to Forbestown so late at night like that. They would want to be home, in bed, sleeping, ready for that game tomorrow. Uh, It should also be noted that the search of the area near where they found the Montego was actually rather difficult and arduous uh, because there was a pretty severe snowstorm that day. Uh, So much so that even when they were trying to search with, like, snowcats and snowmobiles or whatever, uh, they almost lost a few men on their search team team to the harshness of the storm so they had to delay further searching at least until the storm cleared up and there was some like spring thaw or something like that um there was actually a very well-known reported sighting supposed sighting of the boys that night uh and it was by someone named joseph shans Shans, uh, Joseph Shans, Shones, Shans, something, something like that. Yeah, uh, he had been trying to check the snow line and get ready for a weekend snow trip with his family, uh, which we addressed earlier was pretty common thing to do. Um, unfortunately, it seems like similarly to what happened with the boys, he got his Volkswagen beat his Volkswagen bug stuck in the snow. And when he was trying to sort of solo push this car out of the snow and get back on track, he started to have a mild heart attack. Oh, what the hell? He starts having a mild heart attack what right this, out there. What is this movie-ass shit right there where it's like, like they're, oh, <laughs> oh, hi, old lady, we're going to help you. And the old lady's like, oh! And, oh, then, and, then, they're, and then they're like, oh my god, you kids killed the old lady. And so it becomes <laughs> like, and, we're, and then I've been on the run since I was 12 years old. Zoink, Scoob! Oh my god. Yep. So, Joseph 
while he's having this mild heart attack, he, he tries to lay in his car with the engine going, with the heat going, to hopefully wait it out. And eventually, you know, the, the, the mild heart attack will settle down and he can get help or at least get his car going. So while Joseph was laying in his car and suffering a mild heart attack, he saw the headlights of a pickup truck behind him. When he looked out, he thought he saw a group of men and possibly a woman holding a baby. He gets out of his car and he calls for help. Help, I'm having a heart attack. But when he did, the headlights went out and the group stopped talking and they just seemed to vanish. So poor Joseph gets back in his car and once again tries to keep himself warm as he just sort of suffers through this mild heart attack. A few okay. hours later. Yep. Uh, a few hours later, another car stops behind him. When he looked out to see who it was, he saw the rays of light from several flashlights. Once again, Joseph calls out for help. I'm having a heart attack and my car's not working. But once again, the lights go out and poor Joseph has to return to the warmth of his car after being ignored for the second time that night. Uh, you, you know, I do wonder if those people were like, this is bait. Well, maybe, could be. Like, there's it's no possible. there's no way that, that this guy in the middle of fucking nowhere like this is telling me to go to his car because he's having a heart attack in in this yeah. landscape. Like, I, I'd be like, uh, hmm, uh, and, and this is before cell phones. That's true. I, I'd be a little bit like, oh, yeah, he's, he's, he's screaming at you. And I'm like, yeah, I'm mm -hmm. about to get stabbed. Bye. Yep, and and, and look at the terrain. Shai just posted a picture of what the landscape kind of looked like. If you're in the dead of night and you hear someone like, help, help, heart attack, and you're in this area, it's, I can see how people would be hesitant and just be like, oh, turn the light off. Let's go. I don't, I don't know about this. Like, I, you know, I'll, <laughs> you're in my prayers, but I'm the fuck out of here. Um, so when Joseph's car finally ran out of gas and he couldn't really use it for warmth anymore, his heart attack had finally started to at least subside enough that he could start walking on foot to a local lodge around eight miles away and he could finally get some real help. On the walk to this lodge, however, Joseph specifically remembers seeing the empty Mercury Montego, Jack Madruga's Montego, parked right about where he heard voices that night. Mm, mm, the, but, plot, the plot thickens like a bad milkshake. The, the plot does thicken like curdled milk. Ew. Uh, I, like, <laughs> like, like a quart and a half of curdled milk? Ah! ah. But... Take the account of Joseph Shans with a grain of salt because we simply cannot be sure of the validity of his report. Joseph himself reported to police, police and newspapers police. that police, police. police don't report me to the police. Uh, but he reported to police and newspapers that I was half conscious, not lucid, hallucinating and in deep pain. Whether I half saw or half imagined the second vehicle, I just don't know. So, mm. he, again, you gotta take his recollection of things with a, with, a, with a grain of salt, because he was suffering a pretty bad heart attack. Yeah, um, things happen with that. 
Yeah, so uh, Imogen Weir, Ted's grandmother, uh, was also reported as saying that Ted and Bill Sterling would never have ignored someone that was calling out for help, uh, specifically because one time they helped someone who had overdosed on Valium safely get to a hospital. Oh, damn. Yeah, so Ted and Bill, if they heard someone going, help, I'm having a heart attack and I'm stuck, they probably would have gone and investigated and tried to help him out instead of just, oh, yeah, let's turn off the lights and get the fuck out of here, even if they were scared. At least that's that's Ted's grandmother's interpretation of it. I... Not to be rude, but I'm I'm kind of imagining the scenario where you know a uh, a person who's you know maybe maybe a little slower will will immediately rush to the rescue because they don't they don't think like about the possibility of the danger kind of thing. They're like, oh shit, and they like you know go help. I can I, mean, I, can, I think that's a I think that's a fair assessment. Yeah, I can kind of, I can kind of see that being uh be an option. So it would, I can see how it would make sense that he would probably go for it if he heard them screaming like that. Hmm. Uh, And as far as the pickup truck that Joseph claimed to have seen, there was also another sighting of the boys in the Brownsville area of Yuba County. Uh, This would be about an hour or so from where the Montego was abandoned. Uh, A woman who chose not to be identified claims that she saw five men in a 1950s red pickup truck in front of a local store called Mary's Country Store at 2 p.m. on February 25th, which would have been the day after the basketball game, I think. Uh, She reported the information on March 5th after details of a $1,215 reward, uh, give or take 5,000 bucks by today's conversion, I believe. Um, But she gave details for the boys... Hold on, let me let me let me let me try that again. She reported the information on March fifth after details of the five thousand uh, dollar reward began to circulate with their picture and uh, that they needed to be found. Uh, she claimed she saw two men that were sitting in the back of a pickup truck, two men who were at the nearby phone, and one man who had gone into the store. Uh, she also claims that the only reason she noticed the men was because they didn't look like they were locals. Specifically, she said, you notice strangers around here, especially them with their big eyes and facial expression. What the fuck does that mean? That sounds like some racism in some way. I have no idea what the fuck she's talking about, but I guess their faces just were like, that don't look like no local to me. Uh, Why are they so, so southern? This is like, this is like northern Sacramento. I, I don't know. My my default voice is all for, for old people is southern. For some reason. I I guess so. I don't know. It's just it's it's my thing, dude. All right, leave me all alone. Right. I, well, well, it does still sound like some racism that I don't with their yeah. big eyes and facial expressions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that does sound like some kind of intolerant bullshit, doesn't it? Just a little bit. Yeah. So. I know it sounds maybe a little fishy and that maybe she's just trying to, like, cash in on that reward. Uh, But the police did take her report very seriously and they considered her account credible, uh, mostly because the store owner corroborated her story. I was going to say corroborated. That's not a word. Uh, So the store owner claimed that he saw Ted Weir and Jack Hewitt buying burritos, chocolate milk, 
and soft drinks because well chocolate milk you can't you can't feed those staffed cats can you um but they are buying burritos chocolate milk and soft drinks uh though it should be noted that he told newspapers he couldn't be positive that it was actually them that it looked like them but he only remembered after the woman who reported them asked if he had sort of seen the posters that were detailing the missing boys uh, and the reward. Uh, Ted's brother claimed that what they purchased sounded about right, uh, because Ted, he would eat anything he could get his hands on, but the rest of the story, completely out of character for the boys. The boys. The boys. The boys. Uh, there was also a Yuba County lieutenant who was absolutely consumed with trying to figure out what happened to these boys. Uh, his name was Lance Ayers. Is this, is this uh, the story of a good or a bad cop for the situation? Was he consumed you know in a good way or? I mean, I, I think this is fairly good because he, he wanted to be thorough and he did want to find him. He didn't really fuck up anything, to be fair. Okay. This isn't like an F.J. Morris situation. I was about to say, the solder things have left me scarred. <laughs> uh, but he was following every, every little lead uh, he possibly could. Um if you want to go back to the Solder Children episode, uh, if you remember how absolutely crazy George Solder, the father, had gotten with looking for his kids, like if there was any tiny, there's a lead in New York, I'm going cross country to figure it out. Lance Ayers was at that level of looking for leads on the boys. Uh, something about this case, it just did not sit right with him and he had to figure it out. Uh, Ayers at one point even went to a psychic and the psychic told him that the boys had been murdered in Oroville in a red brick or a stained house with a gravel driveway and the number 4723 or 4753 and Lance Ayers dead set on finding these boys figuring out what happened to them and bringing in some closure for the families he spent two whole days driving every street in Oroville looking for the houses or any house that sort of matched the description. But as Ayers came to find out, no such house even existed in Oroville. Oh, okay. Well, uh, as, as I am in a shocking twist of fate, the psychic was wrong. Yes, yeah, shocking development. The psychic was oh man, how is that even possible? Psychics are so accurate. And they're so they're reliable. so good at their job. Like how would how 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 did he not find the bricks, DK? Uh, I don't know, man. How did he not find the how did he not find the numbers? I'm it's not getting my psychic isn't getting a single five thousand dollars from me again, ever. But that's how desperate he was. He was willing to follow a small lead from a psychic on the off chance that maybe it led him to something. It would be about four more months until they oh found something. Oh, my God. Something. Oh, my God. Oh, oh, my God. Time jump. Holy shit. Yeah, a little bit of a time jump. But, you know, it's just there weren't any really great leads. So on June 4th, a group of motorcyclists were checking out a trailer that was being maintained by the forest services, and they could smell something horrific, 
something nauseating and just vile from within. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Now, now you will no. die. Now, they, now. Mm-hmm. When they broke into the trailer, they tragically found the deceased body of Ted Weir on a bed wrapped in several sheets. Reports mm. indicated oh. that Ted... Yeah. Reports indicated that Ted had lost somewhere in the ballpark of 800 to 100 pounds. Uh, he started off around 200-ish pounds. Uh, I'm sorry. He had lost... did, you, did you mean to say 80 to 100? You said 800 to 100. Oh, oh yeah, 80 and I'm to like, 100. How oh, big boy. was Ted? <laughs> Ted was a big boy. <laughs> Turns out death is great for the diets. Oh, my God. 80 to 100 pounds he had lost. He had lost like half of his body weight. Uh, his feet were horribly frostbitten, and he had obviously grown out a pretty significant beard. Um, and one of the worst little tidbits is uh, it was determined that, in all likelihood, Ted had survived in this trailer about 8 to 13 weeks. Holy hell. To, yeah, he spent 8 to 13 weeks starving to death in agony. Well, uh, yeah, starving to death is like apparently one of the most painful ways to possibly die. I cannot. Uh, yeah, that's. Mm. But okay, so so he very. You say he was wrapped in sheets. Did yeah, he, he? He didn't have like marks of like lacerations or anything on his wrists. Nope. Okay, so so it seems that he there was no foul play against him. He genuinely got lost. Couldn't find his way back in this cold, horrible weather, starved and died. Mm -hmm. That's okay. what it seems like. Okay. Uh, so, things have been a little mysterious up until now, but things get downright bizarre as to how all of this could have happened. So, the first question is, why did they leave the relative safety of their car? Which, it wasn't broken down, they could have easily pushed it free from the snow line. Um, this path that led to the trailer was 20 miles away from where their car broke down. So they had to make this insane trek in the cold snow, which it was apparently that day when they would have made this trek. It was the snow was four to six feet deep wow uh yeah they had to make a 20 mile trek in four to six feet deep snow uh ted's shoes were also missing uh the bedstand had his nickel ring because it had the words ted etched into it uh his gold necklace his wallet was there which still had the cash in it so he wasn't like robbed or something and there was a gold Waltham watch that had its crystal missing on the nightstand as well. Uh, according to the family, though, Ted didn't own a watch like that, and neither did any of the other boys. Uh, Gary Mathias's tennis shoes were also found inside the trailer. Uh, and it is believed that someone, probably Gary, wrapped up Ted in those sheets to try to keep him warm... Because sort of like the way Ted was wrapped up in the blankets and the sheets, 
there's no way he could have done that himself. There's no way he could have wrapped himself up in such in in that way. Um, okay, fine. so maybe someone he was sick and he someone needed to help him. Hmm. Yeah. So the thought is like either Gary or maybe one of the other boys were like, "Oh man, Ted is not doing well. Let's wrap him up in as many blankets as or as many of the sheets here as we can, and just try to keep him uh, as warm as possible." I think that's the the theory, the game theory. Thanks for um, watching. Yeah. <laughs> uh, finding Gary's tennis shoes uh, could also account for why Ted's leather shoes were missing. Uh, because by this time, Gary's feet were probably also just swollen and frostbitten to hell. Um, because, you know, there's that 20-mile hike in four to six feet deep snow. So it's entirely possible that if Gary wanted to head back outside, whether to look for supplies or try to help one of the other boys or whatever, he would have actually needed bigger shoes because his feet were so swollen. So chances are he took Ted's shoes because they would actually fit because Ted was a much bigger guy than he was. Um, the next curiosity is that there was no attempt to make a fire in this trailer. Um, despite the fact that the trailer had plenty of, like, paperback books to burn, I think they literally had matches and even a good amount of wood furniture that would have easily made a fire. Uh, they also, so to get into this trailer, they had to break one of the windows and, like, open the door. They never bothered to cover up the window that they'd broken to get in. So this trailer would have been even colder than usual because the, the window's just right there wide open and they never covered it up. And this, like, you need to understand that the reason this trailer was being maintained by the Forest Services, it's specifically made to shelter people from the harshness of the snow and really bad conditions. There's a shed outside this trailer where they actually got several cans of sea uh, rations, which I guess are like military rations, um, which they had opened. I, actually, you got to open these things apparently with a P-38 can opener. And since Madruga and Matthias were the only ones that served, um, it was it's likely that it had to be one of them that opened it. But like there was food. There was food. They had rations and everything and food. And um, and in the same shed, there was another locker. And that locker had enough dehydrated food to last them, all of them, all five of them. It could have lasted them at least a year. But a that locker... What's that? Oh, so a, ye a year... At least a year, there was enough dehydrated food and meals in there. Five people could have easily survived for a whole year. And they and they opened it. No, the locker was completely untouched. Wait, wait, but did they know the locker existed? I mean, I guess, I guess that's fair. Maybe they. I mean, they had to have known because I think it's in, it was in the same shed that they had the sea rations in. So they had to know that this thing was there. Did they? Did they ever open the locker? Did they? No. Like, I don't like, like open the locker because they they could have just not realized that that locker had stuff. I you, you, know, you know, it's like when people get lost in the snow and they go one direction. There was like a ranger outpost, like literally half a mile the other direction they could have gone. Mm -hmm. 
I like I don't I don't know I don't have a visual of this trailer, but or wherever this area is because it's like it could just be like one of many doors and like they just opened the wrong door, Ed Boy. Maybe. Hmm. Yeah, we only know that the locker was untouched. We don't know if they knew it was there or anything like that. The locker was just untouched, right? Okay. Um, and I think it was either in the same shed with the food locker, or there was another shed that was also close by. But there was a pro. There was there was propane gas that could have fed heat and gas into the trailer, but it was never turned on. All they had to do was open the valve for the propane, and they would have had heat and gas. But they never did. Would they? Would they know that that's the thing? The little valve. I mean, because I, because I gotta be honest, I don't even know if I would know how to do that. Like, how would I know about the propane gas thing there? Like, I, I don't know this trailer area. I suppose that's fair. I mean, maybe they just didn't. They just didn't know. They also, didn't know that that's how propane gas worked. They also, were, we they we were are learners, so. we we are assuming that they're all there. That they're all that, there. Mm-hmm. We are assuming. That which, that which is, true. Is, is also a thing where it's like, we know that some were there. Yeah, we know at least Ted and Gary were yeah, there. Yeah, we don't know what no, the rest are. Everyone Pro else is sort of speculative as if they mm. made it to the trailer, right? Or, or if the other three maybe did for a little bit, but then went to go get help. Mm. Yeah, they tried to go get help or find something for maybe Ted because Ted was in a bad way. Um, there was a theory that was suggested by Ted's parents, uh, and it was because Ted and potentially the other boys, they lack some degree of common sense, and maybe they didn't pick up on what they could have done, kind of like what you said. Uh, Ted's parents said that Ted would often ask why he had to stop at a stop sign, and that one night, um, when their house caught fire, they had to literally drag Ted out of his out of his bed because Ted was so afraid that he would be late or miss his job the next day if he got out of bed, even though the house is on fire. Um, there was also a theory that since they had to break into the trailer through a window that the boys maybe already felt guilty about breaking into someone's trailer, because they probably don't know it's a Forest Service trailer, um, so they maybe they felt like if they used the items in it, that would be like stealing, or you're not supposed to do this, nobody gave you permission to do that. I was, right? one, I was wondering to what extent the, the, the slowness might come back into play like that. I yeah, feel, I so feel bad for it, but yeah. Mm-hmm. That is, that is a theory that some people have had, is like, they felt guilty, and it's like, oh my god, we're already stealing, this is a no-no. Mom said not to steal things, or not to use things without permission, so it's possible. Um, it was about a day or two after the discovery of Ted's bodies that searchers would discover the remains of Jack Madruga and Bill Sterling. Oh! Where at? Wait, where was this? Uh, they were found about 11 miles from the car on opposite sides of the road to the trailer. Ah, so they both went a different direction mm -hmm. to go probably um, find people. Maybe. 
uh, Jack's body had been partially eaten by local wildlife and animals. Uh, parts of his body had been dragged upstream to where the rest of his remains, uh, they just found them clutching the watch on his wrist. And sadly, there was nothing left of Bill Sterling but bones that had been scattered around the area. This is a wolf area. Snowy. Uh, it's a snowy wildlife area. It's it's kind of assumed that Jack probably... I, I think the cause of death was hypothermia. Yeah, and then, then it was just, just picked apart after. The local... Yeah, yeah. So, so okay. It's, you it's said, a snowy area. Animals trying to survive, right? You said 11 miles in both directions. So it sounds like the two of them were like, we don't know where to go. You go that way, I'll go this way, and if we find help, we'll go back. Oh, so I think it's more like they were found 11 miles from the car, and, like, so there's, like, this little sort of trail that leads to the trailer that I think they were following, and they were sort of found on opposite sides of the trailer, not necessarily 11 miles in opposite directions from... They were just 11 miles from the car. Ah, okay. Okay, so... Did they don't go together, or were they close to each other? So they went. Yeah, like... they were kind of close to each other on like the trail area, I suppose. Okay, then. Okay, okay, then that makes that makes sense. So they probably went together, and then. Yeah. All right, all right. And uh, probably one of the saddest things in this story. Oh no. Jack Hewitt's father was determined to help search for his son. It's his boy. He he's got to find him. He's missing. Uh, Lieutenant Lance Ayers tried to plead with him not to join the investigation, to let local authorities handle it, and let searchers handle it, because he was terrified that Jack Hewitt's father might find something that no father should have to find. But Jack's father would not be deterred. And unfortunately, the worst thing did indeed happen. He found his own son's spine about two miles from the trailer. His spine? He literally found his son's backbone. Oh. Yeah. Only two miles, really? Wow. Only two miles, yeah. That must have been uh, some would... weather. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 it gets very... It was like the next day there was a snowstorm that was so severe that even well-equipped searchers were almost lost to it. Um, they would also find Jack Hewitt's skull that had matching dental records. They found his Levi's jeans uh, and his pair of get-there shoes, uh, which were apparently at the time super popular platform shoes that had these weird, like, wavy soles on them. I, I, 1970s fashion is weird. I was about to say, it sounds like a pretty 70s thing yeah, right there. Um, you know, you know what sucks the most about this story? What's uh, everything? I mean, well, yeah, no shit. But, you know, I feel like this is one of those stories where the, the situations revolving around it are a little bit bizarre. The shoes, the location, it's a little strange and all that. And the, the guy with the heart attack. But often the simplest answers are the right ones. And this sounds like people who got off the road yeah. the wrong way, tried to find their way out, and they got hypothermia and died. It it sure does sound like that. It really does. Like, there are some weird things, and it feels like maybe if they had taken some different steps, they could have survived. But, yeah. Um, and, and like you said, much much like the other boys that had, had been found, uh, Jack Hewitt's cause of death was ruled as hypothermia. hypothermia. Uh, 
according... Oh, also, uh, Shai said, uh, again, remember that they were also very lightly dressed. Very lightly dressed. They were not ready for a massive snowstorm in the slightest. Right, because they were just uh, going I, to a game. Yeah. Um, I believe uh, in an article they said Ted's grandmother was like, hey, you should take a coat with you. Because, you know, it gets a little cold. And he was like, nah, Grandma, I don't need that. I'll, I'll be back tonight. It's fine. Um, so they were in no way, shape, or form ready to uh, fight the elements like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 it's not a fun one. Uh, and actually, according to the wiki, it was also believed by the police that the boys were actually following a sort of slight trail in the snow that would eventually lead them to the Forest Service trailer. Um, apparently, the day before, the Forest Service had taken uh, a snowcat through the area to clear snow off the trailer, uh, I guess so that the accumulation of snow on the roof of the trailer wouldn't force it to collapse. And it's possible that the sort of leftover tracks or the leftover trail in the snow by, like, the snowcat snowmobile thing... Uh, it's possible that that's what they were following um, when Madruga and Sterling died of hypothermia. They were just trying to follow this little path in the snow, trying to... That's the only thing that they could see that led them anywhere. Ah, uh, god damn it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, um, it's, it's you sad. know, the, the weird directions they went, it, it's... Unfortunately, a lot of, like the bizarre choices that that were made and, and movements they were just, that they moved like where they went can very often be explained by their their disability, um, which is very unfortunate. Mm -hmm, uh, definitely, really unfortunate. But um, except for Gary, right? Gary was the only one who who didn't. Um, that is true. But then again, I'm not going to pretend like Gary was automatically like a wilderness survival survival person. Mm -hmm. um, he, I mean, he probably wasn't. I mean, again, they all lived, lived very uh, sort of sheltered, scheduled lives at home. None of them were probably uh, outdoorsmen that really knew any sort of survival techniques. I'm going to look up Yuba County real quick. Yuba County population of 2020 is 77.5 thousand people uh, in the entire, oh, into the entire county Oh Lord the entire all county. Oh Lord Almighty. I live in Orange County. We have 3.17 million. Um yeah. Okay. Uh Yuba County. Let's look at let's look at this place real quick for for like a like a little bit. Oh. Oh, this is just all wild. Oh, this this is this is this is a rural this is a rural town. <laughs> rural. It's rural. This is oh, this count it's I look up, I, I literally look up Yuba County and then pictures, and all I am getting are map photos and wilderness photos. I haven't found a single <laughs> fucking one of like a street road with, and there we go, uh, government center. Hey! Hey! Oh dear. The gateway projects aren't there anymore. I think it's a shopping center now. Mining in Yuba County. <laughs> Mining in Yuba, Yuba County, County fire ex evacuations. Yeah, it's, uh, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a little area. I bet I bet the rent there is real great, though. You know what? Place out there for real cheap. Let's go to Zillow real quick. Let's look up Yuba County. <laughs> Yuba County rent. Yuba County cost of of a home. Holy Christ! What 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 is it? Uh, you can purchase for uh thirty nine point six 
acres for wow. 1.5 mil, which wow. in California, having 30, 39 acres. 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 And you're not too far out of San Cremento. Yeah, San Cremento. <laughs> San Cremento. San Cremento. Yeah, this is about right. 300,000, 300. Oh, there we go. Four bed, four bath. 5,000 square feet for about 600,000. Damn. On, oh my God, on, on 10 acres of land. <laughs> 600,000 on 10 fucking acres. Yep. That'll get you a shack and a gunshot wound in LA. <laughs> a shack and a gunshot. I like that. I'm going to steal that. All right, I'm cool. Steal that. Um, um, wow. Okay. Yeah. I, I don't know if I. What I'm trying to say is that I. I'm an Eagle Scout. I, I. I did my full on Eagle Scout Boy Scout thing. I don't think I'd know how to get home. I. I'd be pretty fucked. But again, why? Why did they leave the safety of the car that was working? It had gas. It. I'm assuming. Uh, it probably had heat. Like, why would you leave the car to just go meandering off into the woods at all? Why not stay in the car and like wait for help or? Just, you know, again, try to push it out. Maybe it's, yeah. And, and and like Shai said, why would you leave the car in a snowstorm with very light clothing? It's, it's so bizarre. None of it makes any sense. And is that really something that you could attribute to them having intellectual disabilities, right? See, I'm, I'm more, I think it's like a slider scale. Like, I'm mm. far more willing to believe that that i'm willing to believe that there's any foul play i i, I don't i don't believe yeah. like the guy screaming at his car about the heart attack and people like ignoring him i i completely believe that they were like god no i i'm no way dude not like this not in yuba county mm -hmm. you know there is a theory oh that because so there's a theory that it, the boys actually did get out to try and see what was happening in the Joseph Shones heart attack incident. And when Joseph Shones was like, ah, heart attack, it actually scared them. And that's why they went fleeing into the woods is because they got out thinking maybe we'll help him. And when he screamed at them, it might've scared them. Like they were so shocked by it and they were so scared that maybe that's why they went trudging into the woods. That... That's a perp, a pretty solid thing, but it also doesn't make much sense because they said specifically that they would go to help them. That's true. I don't know. Um, so it's it, it seems possible that the only ones who made it to the trailer were Gary Mathias, Ted Weir, and maybe Jack Hewitt because his body was only two miles from the trailer. So it's possible that maybe the three of them made it. And then Jack maybe left because he was like, shit, I got to go see if, you know, maybe I can go find Bill. Maybe I can go find Jack uh, uh, Madruga or something like that. It's possible. Or he might have tragically passed away when he was only two miles away from a potential life-saving trailer, which is very sad to think about. So hmm. we have found all of the boys except for one. We found the remains of everyone except Gary Mathias. Gary Mathias was never found. Ever. Gary Mathias was 
literally never found. Uh, what's worse is that Gary didn't have any medication with him either. And honestly, why would he? He thought he was going to go see a basketball game in Chico and be back the same night. But without his medication, who knows how Gary may have started acting. Uh, his stepfather said that he, when he was oh, oh, this his is medication... The, sorry, this is the, the army guy, right? Mm-hmm. This is Gary mm. Mathias. He was the one that had the schizophrenia diagnosis. Um, but when he was without his medication, his stepfather said he would talk to himself and the like. And we also know that before getting on that steady regiment of medication for his schizophrenia, Gary was prone to outbursts of violence. Is it possible that Gary set the boys up for catastrophic failure with his declining mental state without his medication? Though it was said that he had actually taken his medication before going down on the trip, so it would have taken a little while to set in. So was his mental state even compromised by the time they died? Was it, was mm. it Gary that set them up? Did he have a bout of schizophrenia? Ah... Uh. I don't know. I don't know if I buy Gary just suddenly turning on all of his friends and stuff because because some of them were wrapped up in the trailer and you know it's like obvi it's obvious that they were trying to keep him warm and he wasn't doing well. Mm -hmm. The other two, and there, there are no signs of lacerations, and no or, struggle, or, yeah, or trauma or anything like that. There's no sign of struggle. No, there's no blood or anything. So I, mm. I don't, I don't know. Um, the 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 family i think gary's stepfather was also like well you got to consider that maybe gary also died of hypothermia in a deep patch of snow and his body was simply hidden in the undergrowth hidden in like a manzanita bush that was just never thawed and he just kind of slowly uh kept deteriorating and they just never found him one could also um, argue that him being the most um uh well this is gary right yeah, Gary Mathias. It's like it's like Gary Wayne may not have been slow like the rest of them, but he did have he did have some mental problems with his um, the medication stuff, of course. Um, sure. But one could wonder if maybe he got farther than the than the rest uh, in in his search, that's... and that's why maybe his body's been found because it's a, a decent distance away from the original site. Schizophrenia. Yeah, Thank you. Shy. Yeah, I think that's a safe bet. Yeah, yeah, schizophrenia. Um, so it's, it's easy to believe that he was probably the most likely to survive the longest because he was still on his medication. It, it would probably, I'm not sure how long that medication lasts and how often you really need to take it or when it really starts to affect you. Uh, but yeah, he probably did have the best chance to survive longer and keep looking the longest. But, uh, I guess we'll never really know because Gary has been missing for 44 years now um he wouldn't have died of old age by now i don't believe how old did we say gary was well i uh, i don't believe that um I, no he would have found his way back to somebody so i don't i don't believe yeah. that that would have happened regardless it's not like yeah. he became he, he became was, like robin williams and jumanji yeah he was 25 years old so theoretically he could still be alive but again remember if he did make his way back somewhere uh, by the time he got back, he would be very much so without his medication, and who knows what kind of state he would be in, and if he would even know his own name. Especially after mm. all that trauma? Like, 
Who knows? He might still be out there. He just, he doesn't know who to go back to. Although, I don't know if that's how schizophrenia necessarily affects you. Uh, I, I took a couple patients for, that had schizophrenia. I actually took a lot. Because um, we did 5150 calls in my ambulance company. And uh, I, I don't know. It affects everyone in very different ways. Mm. It, it's, I, I don't know. It's I can't really describe it very well. It's like, when we had certain patients, I could kind of tell like, oh, yeah, this this person probably has schizophrenia. But yeah, yeah. Um, I, I couldn't, like, describe it to you. Gotcha. Hmm. And uh, I, I, I couldn't find the missing persons page, but uh, I was listening to the uh, the Stuff You Should Know podcast, which is also a, a fantastic place to go for true crime stuff. Um, hashtag not sponsored. Hey, that, that's that's um, what I can't watch now. Like, you can't watch TTS. I can't watch that. Yeah, you can't watch that. Yeah. yeah. Um, they said that on the Yuba County Sheriff's page, Gary Mathias is still still to this day listed as a missing person uh i couldn't find it though i couldn't find a yuba county sheriff's office uh missing person list but uh yeah he's he's, he's still listed as missing because they never found the body they don't know if he's deceased or if he's just roaming around out there somewhere probably not no um, he's probably dead but yeah simple mm. simplest answer is probably the most likely one it's it, he probably succumbed to hypothermia and is just you know, he passed away in some underbrush. He never, his body never got found. It just deteriorated after a while. This, this is, it's one of those things where like, there's, there's plenty of situations and like factors in it that make you assume foul play or make you assume just weird stuff going on. But it's not enough for me to push my needle away from, they didn't know where they were going. They were lost. They got, they got hypothermia and they all just yep. froze to death. Yep, the uh, the panic of being lost, perhaps, uh, the stress of being lost and not knowing where you are, uh, maybe, I mean, because even like me, if I was that stressed out and lost and panicked, I wouldn't be thinking straight. Um, would I necessarily know how the gas thing works? I don't know, maybe, but, you know, you, until you're put into that sort of life and death situation, you, you don't know how it feels, and again, they were their mental state was already kind of compromised to begin with. You add on top of that stress, panic, and being lost and so far away from your comfort zone. You know, you can see people making some some questionable decisions like this. Um, I think it was Jack Madruga's mother or grandmother that is dead set determined that some outside force forced them out of the car and forced them into that bad situation. She doesn't know what... But she is sure that some malevolent force made them do it. Well, I I can't. Well, was she the racist one? Uh, no. Okay. No, well, I I still I mean that's the mom or the grandma, whichever one. Like I, of course they would want to pick something that can explain their problem. You know. Mm. There's there's no, uh, there's no you know that's just the way of eating. Shy has a blip. Ooh, a blip. Uh, people. People who believe in foul play blame Gary for that. They say he didn't belong with the group, was with them for a very short time, and was generally disliked by the parents of the other boys. I know parents at the time told us, they told me personally, that they had deep concerns about Gary being involved in this. They were unbiased in their opinion, telling me that uh, these files, clips, and interviews shape a disturbing image of Matthias. Build in virtually all media reports at the time as another lost lamb caught out in the cold, 
Matthias was an aberration within the flock, a young man who did not belong with the others. He was violently schizophrenic and had a history of drug use and wasn't intellectually disabled like the others. Yeah, I suppose, but, but two of them also went three or 11 miles away and what's-his-name was had no signs of any struggle and was nicely wrapped in blankies. Yeah, there, yeah, like you said, there's not enough to blame this on Gary suddenly having a schizophrenic violent episode. There, There's no trauma. There's no, there's no wounds. There's, you know, uh, unless he somehow managed to cover up the wounds in one of the bodies because, oh yeah, the animals ate at him. But I, I think doctors would be able to tell the difference between getting, you know, partially eaten and actual trauma yeah uh, he did he did stand out certainly as he was the outlier that didn't really have the same intellectual disabilities he had a disability schizophrenia certainly is a disability but oh, yes. it's certainly not enough to blame this whole thing on him no i, I it sounds to me more like the families and parents that weren't huge on the guy to begin with and then um and then all their kids go missing and then naturally in in a trauma uh, you know, being uh, as in the traumatic situation that they're currently in, they look at him first, things mm-hmm. first, and which yeah, and especially because he's he's missing, especially at the time he's missing. So they might have assumed like, oh, he's missing because he got away because he fucked up our kids. We never trusted him to begin with, right? Yeah, That's the logical. Yeah, um, yeah, and, yeah, and, and obviously and, they're traumatized, you know, and, and like they they're gonna want to say that, you know. Oh sure, obvious. sure. Now back to GI Joe. Hi, everyone. Uh, so we, we finished our episode. It was good, all wonderful. Things were uh, great. And then Shy and DK found out that there have actually been some very recent updates to the story. So we are adding a little addendum to it, and uh, they're going to tell me what in God's name has happened just recently. Like, how, how recent was this? Um, I want to say that Shy found these. Those there, there's, there's a podcast by Mopac Audio. And there's a site called thehumanexception.com, and I want to say they were updated in May. Uh, okay. So it's only been, like, a couple months since, like, these uh, updates happened. Uh, and wow. Since, yeah. So it's fairly recent. Um, but yeah, wanted to make sure that people knew that uh, a lot of this information uh, that we got, uh, humanexception.com and the Mopac Audio uh, podcast series, literally on the Yuba County Five, uh, were a treasure trove uh, of information that literally no other place had. The wiki, nothing about this stuff. Um, so, yeah. Couple, couple little yeah. Give, give me, give me, give me, give me a stuff. Give me, right. give me, give me your nuts. Give me, give me a stroke, kids. Oh, oh, that's awkward. Um, so one of the things that uh, I I wasn't totally aware of was that uh, there were some people that were really not happy with just disabled people in general. Uh, I guess in the seventies there was still this stigma that disabled people were just completely incapable of contributing to society and they were seen as just lesser people. Oh. Yeah, apparently in the 70s, it was like, it got very violent about how people were really not liking this sort of movement to support disabled people. 
I feel as if we, I feel as if they, they, um, kind of touched on that maybe a little bit in like Forrest Gump. Um, sure. Like, like, just, just, I'm trying to think of something where I remember that, but I, I, I think, yeah, it, the, the, the rights for the mentally challenged were, I, I think, I think, yeah, we're not as, not as there. They were not great. And uh, specifically, the gateway projects where the boys met and they played basketball and they all became sort of this cohesive unit had a horrible history of arson attacks. People oh. would people would set the place on fire. They'd set workshops on fire. The director of the gateway projects was killed in uh when his i think his apartment was firebombed like he answered the door someone threw some flammable liquid on him and then literally set him on fire holy shit um and it was such a constant occurrence that the director that replaced him was evicted from his apartment because the other tenants were so scared that he was going to get firebombed and the building was going to go up in flames because he had because he had, um, oh, because he's the director of the thing. Because, yeah, because he was the director of the Gateway Projects. There's so many arson attacks happening there, and the other guy literally died uh, from it. Holy hell, I can't imagine being like, I'm going to help the mentally challenged and be like, you can't live here anymore because you want to help the mentally challenged because we might all burn and die. Yeah, because an arson attack might happen to you because of all these uh, whack jobs. Jesus Christ, okay. Yeah, so aside from the difficulties of just dealing with your mental disability, uh, man, it was it was tough being the boys uh, in, in the 70s. It was tough. So we talked a lot about uh, Gary Mathias and how people like to try to pin this on him because he was kind of seen as maybe a bit of an outsider to the group and to the group's families because he had sort of... He had different mental challenges with schizophrenia, right? It's not like he was a slow learner. It's not like he was totally uh, uh, sidelined or anything. A lot of people like to blame it on him. Uh, he was he was never found, so that's more suspicion that gets piled on him because what if he did something? What if he is hiding away somewhere? But uh, something I never really stopped to consider was more that uh, Gary Mathias was actually a target, and it was because someone was targeting Gary that he sort of inadvertently brought disaster to the boys. Uh, since Gary used to have a very serious drug problem, um, there would be sort of shady drug dealers and druggies that he used to hang out with that would sometimes actually find him and pick on him. Oh. Uh, and apparently once... Uh, he, I guess he was at a party, and there were some of these guys, and they purposefully spiked his drink. And with all of his medications and his schizophrenia, uh, it forced him into a really bad episode of sort of imbalance and just a little, kind of losing his mind a little bit. Uh, and it forced him into a mental hospital. Oh, Jesus and uh, so, so wait, this... he he tripped like massively hard or something and then that that set yeah. it off yeah oh, no. there there was an incident where i think they found him uh smoking a cigarette in a mausoleum or a graveyard saying he was waiting for people um 
Yeah, and uh, all of this was reported by his younger sister, Tammy. Okay. So, people were known to kind of pick on Gary because he used to hang out with some shady folks. Shady folks or or the mentally disabled? Uh, shady folks, drug dealers, because he used to have this really big drug problem that... Right, you know, right, okay. I, I, w- I was thinking that, like, they were picking on him as well because he was hanging out with the mentally disabled, which at the time we found out is also not good. Fair. Might have had something to do with it. Uh-huh. Um, there is also, there were also a lot of reports that there was some sort of fight or altercation that took place at Bears Market after the basketball game. Uh, there was a clerk that worked at Bears Market that reported breaking up a fight between men that appeared to be the missing five. Uh, apparently, a group of men were taunting uh, Jack Hewitt, uh, and Gary Mathias was the only one capable of defending him, or the only one that really knew how to defend him because, you know, he, he was still fairly... Uh, capable and he was in the military uh so he jumped into his aid and they had to break up this brawl um there is the more prominent theory that everybody is kind of sort of starting to believe is a little sad and it's a little depressing it was already kind of sad and depressing yeah but it surrounds someone known as... So he's been called the pastor, the preacher, but also the town bully. Uh, he's just... From every report, he's just a good-for-nothing piece of shit. Um, Ted's nephew claimed that this town bully lacked moral character all around and was just a mean guy that did cruel things. Uh, in the Mopac audio uh, podcast, uh, they they do an interview with him, and he said like there was an incident where he put a bear trap on a woman's breast. Like he is just whoa, okay. He is not a good person. Uh, he was apparently arrested numerous times, so he was in and out of jail for stints of drugs and violence. Uh, so townspeople were. They really feared this guy, and they, they had good reason to. Um, but the theory is, uh, Town Bully uh, was actually dating Gary Mathias' sister. Uh, and when she left him, he started to threaten her that if she didn't come back to him, she'd know what it was like to have a dead brother, a dead sister, or even a dead mother and father. And despite the fact that the Bully's crew would go on to terrorize the Matthias family, stealing money from them. They burned their mother's car. They they were known to have assaulted and beaten their mother and stepfather. The police didn't do anything. Apparently they wouldn't do anything about it. See, he was a was he the church guy? You say he was a preacher or pastor, right? <laughs> not yet. Oh. Not Wait, yet. Not yet? No, at, at this at this moment in time, he is just a bully. He's just a good for nothing piece of shit. Oh, yeah. Good, good, continue. Yeah, uh, it's thought that because of this obsession 
was tormenting Gary Mathias's family that this bully and his gang, they followed Gary to Chico. They followed him to the basketball game and they followed him from the market. And the theory is that the bully's gang stopped him near a bridge in Oroville. They killed Gary by throwing him off a bridge near the Oroville Dam. Um, and the reason people think this is because someone claiming to be from the group actually came forward and was like, oh yeah, I saw the whole thing. I couldn't stomach watching it. Oh, guilt. I, I'm riddled with guilt. I got to tell you about it. Um, doesn't wait, wait. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Back this up. Who mm -hmm. was thrown off a bridge? Gary Mathias. So that someone says that Gary Mathias was thrown off a bridge. Mm-hmm. And into, some into an Oroville dam. When one when did this person come out and say this? Was this like the the, the month ago that we talked about? <sighs> no, this was a while ago, but like no one really reported it. I don't remember exactly when he came forward. He didn't come forward like a month ago. Um, I forget when he came hmm. forward. Um, but the problem is not a lot of people believe this guy. Uh, his name was Alan Martin. Um, yeah, I don't think I believe him either. This this reminds me of the issue we had with the, the lady and the Sauter family. Mm -hmm. The, the family doesn't believe him, and a lot of people don't believe him because Gary's shoes were in the trailer. If Ah. Uh. Mm -hmm, so Gary's, Gary's tennis shoes were found in the trailer. If he was killed before they ever even abandoned the car, why would his shoes be in the trailer? So not a lot of people believe this guy. A lot of people just, he's just like, uh, like I don't know what he's up to, but yeah. Um, so, oh, shit, I, <laughs> I, I, I lost where I was in my notes, Jesus, um, but aside from, like, the shoes, uh, in the trailer, uh, the military rations, uh, were also opened, um, and there were only two people that could have opened the military rations, there was, uh, Gary Mathias and Jack Madruga, and we're kind of assuming that Jack Madruga never actually made it to the trailer um, because he was found like 11 miles out from the trailer. I guess it's possible that he made it and they just fanned out for help. But uh, chances are um, that no, uh, Gary Mathias was not thrown off that bridge and killed. No, I don't. I don't believe so for a second. Yeah, but. The other theory is that, okay, they don't kill Gary Mathias, and instead, the bullies do stop them, and they sort of, at gunpoint, force the boys to go up to this remote, cold part of the valley, and at gunpoint, they force them out of the car. Um, because if, if, the, if it happens like that, that totally explains why they're so off track, because there was an outside force, this bully and his crew, that were following them and forced them at gunpoint to go where they wanted. Uh, that would explain why there's the, the bottom of the car is not fucked up, because, you know, somebody else uh, was probably driving the car, or, again, they might have had uh, Jack Madruga at gunpoint. Um... 
also explains why they would leave the relative safety of a somewhat warm car uh, and flee into the night, into like four to six feet deep of snow, because uh, someone forced them to. Can, can um, we? Can, can you remind me why it's all? We're always assuming at gunpoint. So the Besi- reason- besides that, the idea that they would have a gun would make them do the things they wanted. Because was there any evidence of gun? There actually was. Oh, there were two or three shell casings that were found and given to police. I think someone found gun casings. But for some reason, again, nothing was done with them. And they weren't, like, reported. So so I have to do devil's advocate on the gun casing thing Mm -hmm. because we're in Yuba County. Fair. Like, you're in the middle of, like, people people just shoot their guns. You know? Like, like you're in an area where, where your average house is, like, three acres. Like, you just, you shoot your guns. People out there like their guns possible but i believe the gun casings that they found were specifically from a very hefty handgun it wasn't like a a, a hunting rifle round or anything like that i think it was specifically like this really beefy handgun that they found these casings for i'm not sure if that makes much of a difference Mm, I'm, try, I'm trying to think how that would adjust the, the situation by uh, it being a handgun. I mean, if they found it in the car, in Jack Madruga's car, why would there be gun casings in Jack's car? He doesn't have a gun. Oh, they, oh, they found gun casings in the car? Yeah, it was in the car. Oh, I don't, I don't know if you said, you may have said in the car. I thought you just said, like, they found them on the ground. Oh, or well, somewhere, and I, was, and I was like, they were in the car. <laughs> okay, this makes a, a much okay. Maybe I either I missed that or yeah, because if it's like gun cases on the ground, I'm like, well, people shoot their guns. There's they don't pick up Fair. all the casings. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so they found three gun casings in the car. In the car. In Jack Madruga's car. Yeah, in Jack Madruga's car. There's a, there's a slight part of me that's like, well, the guy was a military guy. You might did he own a gun? I don't think he owned a gun. You didn't have a gun, then all right. Now I'm, now I'm, 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 I'm very like, I'm very, I'm very like anti like foul play and stuff until I can r- rule out a lot of stuff. And I'm, I'm, we're getting, hmm, that's a little, that's a little sus. That I is won't lie. A little sus. That's a and tad sus. When you take into account that they were forced out of the car at gunpoint, potentially with warning shots, uh, a lot of their decisions suddenly start to make. A lot more sense everyone was like oh why would they abandon the car like Jack Madruga that was that car was his pride and joy he would never leave it and why, why would they just run off into you know into the snow it's because they were at gunpoint and someone forced them to do it and it's like oh well why didn't they ever make a fire well because they were convinced that this awful terrible bully that had this gun was still out there and they didn't want him to see the smoke, and they didn't want to give away that he was still out there because they were probably goddamn terrified that he was there. So, so many of their decisions suddenly start to like make sense as to why they were doing what they were doing when you put this awful, horrible bully and his gang that are armed uh, into the equation. Um... 
and uh, this evil town bully, he would actually become a pastor. Ah. Apparently, during a prison stint in the 80s, he had a coming-to-Jesus moment and devoted himself to the faith. He turned over a new leaf, never had legal problems again. Uh, and Jack Madruga's aunt had apparently tracked this man down, set up a meeting with him, and fully intended to shoot him dead. Nice job, Jack Madruga's aunt. You're a Chad. Let's go. But she didn't. And the only reason she didn't was because she thought God wouldn't want her to. Because he was a... Oh... Yeah. Oh, the seventies! Oh, the seventies! Like I, I think she said she, she, she thought she heard God saying, "Oh, I don't want you to do this." Um, and uh, according to the humanexception.com, this pastor is actually still a very prominent member of the Marysville community, but it seems like nobody wants to identify them by name. Um, I would imagine because there's still a lot of fear from this person's past, what they're capable of, because they seem to be a heinous bastard. Um, and since it's a small town where everybody knows everybody, I imagine there's fear that it wouldn't be too hard to figure out who said what, and then find yourself on the wrong end of this absolutely heinous human being. Um, I think it was Ted Weir Sr., correct me if I'm wrong, Shy. Uh, in the Mopac Audio uh, podcast, he specifically said, when they interviewed him, if he found the guy, uh, he, was, he, he said, Boy, I'd shoot that fucker in the legs right here. And when I was done with that, I'd work my way up till I shot him between the eyes. Um, so, yeah. This, Yeehaw. This, this bully was a right proper piece of shit. And uh, that's that's sort of the, the, the new addendum, is that there was this heinous, evil son of a bitch that sort of forced the boys out into the cold at gunpoint, so fearful for their lives that they wouldn't even start a fire. Allegedly! Allegedly. Allegedly. Because there's no real hard evidence that ties him to it. This is just hearsay, speculation, and all that stuff. But there are a lot of the families, and a lot, and anybody that's come forward fully believes that he had a part to play in it. You, you know, I, I tend to, to take any statements from anyone ever with a solid grain of salt. Because people That's are fair. because people are naturally emotional and uh, and, and it was a traumatic experience. Mm -hmm. They lost loved ones. They lost family members horribly. Um, so it, you could you could be right. I mean, this could just be reaching for straws. People wanting that closure. People wanting to know what happened uh, to their loved ones. Sure. Oh, but but what I was going to say is that those gun case things really got me more uh, curious. The uh, I'm always a little bit iffy on on the on the personal accounts and all that, but the gun cases, that's yeah. a little bit more. You know, if he didn't own a gun, especially, um, I can imagine them uh, if they were doing warning shots or whatever, picking up their gun cases, not to leaving a trail, and perhaps uh, 
not removing them from the car for getting to or having to have an issue because they had to leave they had to leave the car, didn't they? Yes, they had to leave the car. Mm. Uh, they uh, they abandoned it. Yeah, I don't know. Question. Oh, that's that's right. true, Shy. Uh, uh, I I keep bringing up that Mopac audio one. It was really in depth, actually. Like they interviewed a lot of the surviving family. Um, they managed to get. I believe they were the first people to get a digital copy of the official reports uh, of the Yuba County Five, like the official police reports. Uh, and in the report, it said something to the effects of. Uh, we now believe that Gary Mathias was the victim of foul play and that the case was actually being marked as a homo- was it a homicide or it was, it was that there was foul play and murder involved and it would be in the best interest of all parties to not tell Gary Mathias's family. Hmm. So, Yep, that's the addendum. That's that's the that's the that's the new info that uh, we missed the first time around with our uh, research. Uh, so yeah, shy shy found it. Shy alerted me. Addendum. 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 You're a dumb. It's terrible. End the episode. End the episode.